This program has been rated PG. Parental guidance is suggested. It will be presented in its entirety. Stand by to receive our transmission. Oh boy, do I love it when spring is cracking outside and summer's right around the corner. You know what a you know what a good uh, harbinger of summer about to come up is, is is we've had already one big summer movie coming out, but there's an Indiana Jones movie on the horizon. <laughs> Put aside what you think it may or may not be, but the fact that the end of this month is the time as as we're on the air right now, the end of June. I think it's the 30th is the release date. There's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out. And that's, again, we can thank Jaws for that, the <laughs> summer movies. And, and now it's just like, we don't even think about it. It's like, oh, big movies come out in the summer, you know, but for, for a long time, for a little while before 1975, that was not happening. You know something we've in witnessed, though, in our lifetime, besides the advent of the summer blockbuster, thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we now get blockbusters not only in the summer. Kind of it year round, that's in the a only way. time. Yeah. And then... I mean, think about it. When they really got underway and the, the experiment was working, yeah. we would get two or three films a year, and they yeah. couldn't all be in the summer. And I think the Marvel movies were, were some of them for a while, were leaning to more toward coming out between, like, November and Christmas a lot right. of them were in December. So, mm-hmm. again, there's so many movies coming out now that you're right. There's no—I don't really know that there's— there still is a summer movie I think season, still a push. but it's kind of year round now. It really yeah. is. Depend- and I know they pick and choose. They're like, "Well, we got three blockbusters coming out in June. Let's wait and bring our movie out in November, or let's bring it out in February." Or I something do think that, that, like some of the studios, they know their tentpole movies. The summer is still the time to put them out. But some of the like, like Walt Disney, they own everything, right? Oh yeah, they can put a tentpole out anytime. They don't own us, but I think they're in negotiations. I heard, I heard it's underway. I heard the mouse doesn't like me making fun of him, and, and because we have the same, we down. have the same birthday. He's like, we're only gonna have one birthday. Oh, 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 Alan, you keep talking about me, and I'm gonna take care of you. Let's see how funny you are with a restraining order. You didn't know that Goofy's a bounty hunter, did you? <laughs> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Come outside, Alan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we joke, you know, when we find out. Hey, well, wait a minute. They own the. Uh, they own. They own Boba Fett. They could just send him after you. Right. I mean, oh, it, there, there's a litany of characters <laughs> they can send after us now. There was a picture on Twitter saying, who's your favorite Disney princess? And a lot of people were putting photos of like, you know, the Disney princess, like Sleeping Beauty and, and Belle from mm-hmm. this. And uh, uh, what's the one? A Little Mermaid. All these all these Disney princesses or whatever. And some people put a princess a shot of Carrie Fisher. They're like, wait, she's Star Wars. I'm like, she's owned by Disney. She's a Disney princess. Isn't she a Disney and princess And some now? people put the Queen Alien from Alien because Disney owns 20th they Century own Fox, Fox now. too. So there's another princess. Well, she's a queen. She's not really she's a princess. A queen. She was a princess at one point before she started laying those alien eggs. So <laughs> I don't know how we got started on this and morphed into uh, alien eggs, but we do that. It's BK on the air here on Welcome AM 1450. Welcome to the format. 100.3 <laughs> FM, WBHF. Stream us online at wbhfradio.org or download the free TuneIn or Radio Garden app. That's right. There's two apps you can listen to us on no matter where you are. I don't care. You could be on the dark side of the moon. Well, you don't have a signal there. You could be on the regular side of the moon. <laughs> the light side. And have a signal. <laughs> and you can. Uh, who knew the moon had an evil side to it? I didn't you know, know that. The so. dark side is where the empire is. That's right. Got a base over there that they built. We got a lot coming up on the program today. We did talk about summer movies, and we did a story, I think, was it last episode or a couple weeks ago, about how they've now officially came out, the the Daily Jaws site, social media site that covers Jaws. Fantastic. 
site on Twitter and, and Instagram and, and social media and Facebook. Just check them out there. And they said, yes, it's official. Several people have said Jaws is the ultimate blockbuster summer movie of all time because it was the first one. I'm like, yes, it certainly was. Um, I don't believe, speaking of that, let's, let, let, let me ask you this, since we're both big Jaws fans. We're Indiana Jones fans. We're Star Wars fans. If you listen to this show, you can tell <laughs> what we're fans of and, yes. what we, and what we don't like, too. We'll really tell you what we don't like. But concerning Jaws, since Jaws was released, now, don't worry about the sequels, Jaws 2, 3D, and Jaws the Revenge. Has there ever, ever been another film about a menacing shark of some kind since Jaws that was worth your time to watch? Has there been one? No. I'm trying to think. Everybody's like, oh, D- Deep Ry- uh, uh, Deep Blue Sea was uh, uh, Rennie Harlan. I'm like, I'm like, no, that movie was terrible. It was I said, terrible. I, I, not, and I, don't, I didn't mind it was a CGI Mako shark in it. That's not the problem I had. They're not ever going to use a practical Jaws uh, shark <laughs> effect again, probably. But the fact is, I was trying to think, is there? They're like, well, well, the Meg was fun. I'm like, the Meg was about a giant prehistoric shark, and it was over the top parody stupid it was dumb it was, and, it was and must have dumb. made enough money somewhere because they're making a meg too. yes yeah but no so, but dumb. Uh, we were thinking there really has not been another shark and when i say shark movie i mean like jaws where the, mm-hmm. where the shark is the pivotal part they of the tried. film they've they, tried several times what's the movie about the girl that was lost she the, was the, shallows a, the shallows with uh blake lively, blake that's, lively. uh that's ryan reynolds yeah. wife right it yeah. was it was okay the, they had gotten better with the cgi right. effects it's, but it was a at best it was a 40 minute short film right i mean but it went on it was way and too they long they only ex- extended it to, to the to the 90 minutes with all of the texting and all of the right. like ridiculousness i'm like you're not even telling the story anymore and can i say this about texting in films would you please stop showing a character texting and then have the text pop up on the corner of the screen where i can read it you don't because like if you can't if you i don't need that if you if you can't relay something someone getting a text in your in your screenwriting ability and not and have to show that over and over and over and all the time a lot of tv shows do it too that my wife watches mm-hmm. that just annoys me when it's just constant and you get what the about if you show the phone though like it cuts to the phone show the phone that's fine okay you just don't like the superimposed don't leave it on there all the time all the time it's annoying to me to me again it's a pet peeve of mine it may not bother you what was the um, other movie that actually was pretty good about the two people that were lost at sea and eventually that was open water open that water. was based that, that was that was based almost a like a uh, that was almost like a Blair Witch project mm-hmm. shot with a video camera thing that yeah. wasn't horrible it was horrible again it was too long there was there's not an hour and a half of content there there was a lot of build up and that was supposedly based on a true story which is horrific if you think about it my wife's a master scuba diver and every time she says I can't watch that film I just get horrors of thinking about that happening to mm-hmm. to a diver but yeah, they weren't paying attention to be where they were supposed to be, and the diving boat just didn't, or the diving people were uh, were negligent and just left them there, mm-hmm. and uh, it was horrible. And they died at the end of that. Yeah, spoiler if you haven't seen it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, th- again that but that comes wasn't the kind of movie near as Jaws. Jaws, right? Not even close. Nowhere near. And I and I'm starting to think, will they ever make one that's as well? Here's the thing. Maybe it's as entertaining as Jaws. I think the closest you're going to get to that formula working was, and ironically, from the same guy who brought us Jaws, was Jurassic Park. You couldn't do another shark movie, but yes. when you think about it... Uh, involving uh, terrifying animals of some kind. Because yeah, think about how good people. Jaws is. You could classify it as horrific at times. You're seeing people being eaten right. alive. It's swashbuckling. You're at sea sure. with some really fun adventure. music. Yeah. You think that at some points the humans are going to beat the beast, and you feel excited. Right. It's got comedy at places. It's got drama in right. places. But 
what is it? Is it an action drama we, comedy? We, we said horror? that we can't we can't define Jaws as in the genre like in the TV guide. And what the do you put? What only is it? movie that comes close is Jurassic Park. There are yep. horrific moments. Yep. There are scary moments. There's adventure moments. There's funny moments. <laughs> That's the closest you. Joe can Joe Dante tried with Piranha. That yeah, didn't work. I mean, we tried with every other. We tried uh, we tried Grizzly, the bear movie in 1976 after Jaws came out. It just Jaws on land. No, no, it didn't work out. I'm talking about shark movie about a shark. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to happen, and and that's why whenever and they start talking about a remake, no, you don't have to. Oh, I get a chill go up my spine when I hear about a remake of Jaws. It's BK on the air. We will return after these messages. This boy is running out of steam. Why did he run out of steam so soon? He didn't fuel up with a good breakfast. Cheerio. Like this good, nutritious breakfast with toast, juice, milk, and yummy Cheerios, which has almost no sugar. When you fuel up in the morning with a Cheerios breakfast, it'll really get you going. Cheerios! Hershey Never fear, Smith is here. fellow classic TV fans, It Takes a Thief aired from 1968 to 70. It starred Robert Wagner as Alexander Mundy, a suave and sophisticated thief who was given the opportunity to work for the U.S. government as a spy. The show was created and inspired by the 1955 Hitchcock film To Catch a Thief, which starred Cary Grant and Grace Kelly. The theme song, like a few others of this period, was composed by Dave Grusin and went on to become a Grammy Award-winning single. It Takes a Thief was also notable for featuring guest appearances of several high-profile celebrities, including series regular and megastar Fred Astaire, who played Mundy's influential father. Like so many other shows of its era, despite its popularity, It Takes a Thief was canceled after only three seasons due to low ratings. However, the show has taken on a TV classic status and has been praised for its witty dialogue, charismatic performances, and stylish visuals. This groundbreaking television series helped to define the popular spy genre and set the stage for future shows like Mission Impossible and The Man from UNCLE. Its thrilling espionage, humor, and style made it a hit with audiences and critics alike, and its influence can still be seen in modern television and films to this day. This is Pat McCormack with your retro TV trivia from the golden rage of TV. Be sure to check out my retro TV radio podcast available on most popular platforms. And now back to BK on the air. Right 
there, there's the aforementioned uh, theme to It Takes a Thief that Pat McCormack was telling you about right there from the Golden Rage of TV. Thank you, Pat, for that trip into the past and the Golden Rage of TV. Talking, talking about uh, Robert Wagner, uh, I know, Alan, that you just recently, not too long ago, started rewatching some of the Heart to Heart episodes with Finished him. Finished all um, of season one. Stephanie Powers yes, Stephanie was his, pa- his co-star. Oh, oh, oh. There's somebody who was, <laughs> the guy was all over television for a while. He was he was in It Takes a Thief. He went on to be in a television show called Switch with Eddie Albert where he was a, a crook and Eddie Albert was like a judge or a guy that sent him up to prison, but then they both, after he was out of prison, he met up with Eddie Albert, who was no longer a judge, and I think the premise of the show is they became part of a detective agency together and worked together, because he was the crook, so he could think like a crook when Mm -hmm. looking for somebody, and Eddie Albert was the ex-judge, so he knew the law. So they came together and made a show called Switch. It was a good show. It came on with a coin, a big giant coin with both their faces on each side spinning around. Yeah, (laughs) only one was wasn't scarred, but yeah, it was called uh, it was called uh, Switch. And then he went on to be in uh, to be in uh, Heart to Heart, which was a huge ratings juggernaut. I I didn't realize how many seasons they went on. And this was back when you would have twenty four shows or twenty three shows per season. Was that a Sheldon Leonard show, Heart to Heart? Yes, it was. I couldn't, yeah, I thought it was. And then they had Max, the guy, their driver. Max, yeah. he had that voice, you know, that uh, the sidekick. He was their Alfred, <laughs> to, like Batman's Alfred. What? Oh, my God, I know his name, the actor. It's Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember it either. Yeah, uh, Max. But he, a- that, he had that voice. But then Robert Wagner kind of went on to, to parody himself, sort of, in films. And he was in Austin Powers. Austin Powers. <laughs> as, as a, who is he? Was in who? Who was he in Austin Powers? Was he num, number two? Number two. No, I'm number two with the patch on his. Well, the thing I <laughs> I enjoyed great. watching, and I didn't realize this as a kid. All shows obviously evolve, especially if they become hits. Oh yeah, because sometimes they're still trying to figure out well where do we go with this. Right, and sometimes first seasons are completely unrecognizable. When you watch the show again, you're like, man, this is an I early. I tell episode. you, the first couple of episodes, I was like, I don't know if I can rewatch these. It, like the first episode was super long. It was right. like a pilot movie, so it was two hours. It dragged. It had Roddy McDowell as the bad guy. Right. He was great. And he's great, yeah. I'm like, oh, you know how you talk about, this? we were talking about the shark movies? That, like, right. There was an hour's worth of content you squeezed into a two-hour oh, pilot. Oh, really? I was okay. like, oh, God, come on. Well, somebody it, liked it at the time because it was successful, I guess, oh, yeah. in the ratings, yeah. By the, the time, time I got to the middle and end of season one. They'd found their way. I kind of figured out they were much better. I was like, oh, here's the obligatory car chase. <laughs> There's right, now right. the obligatory fist fight. Yeah, sure. Like you start finding the formula. Every one of the episodes starts fighting because when you binge it, right. and you go, well, it's 30 minutes in. We're about to have – now, sometimes they would yep. have staged the, the car chase as golf carts, but it's still the chase. <laughs> right. Or on bicycles, it's still the chase. Like, here's the – got to insert the chase scene. <laughs> no matter what vehicle they're on, but it is, a chase scene. But it was a lot of fun to get through season one well, you because make a, I like the, the murders they're trying to solve. Yeah. You make a good point about the, the, the pacing because back then – you didn't binge shows. Nope. You 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 watched a show and you you, you and you really watched it or whatever because there wasn't many other distractions. You had commercial breaks where you could go use the bathroom or whatever and, and come back and mm-hmm. watch the show. But then you, you waited a week before the next show came out, so you weren't just hit with one show after another binging it. So watching it like that, mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't perceived too much like right. that when you back then when people are watching it. Things are timed different. And the pacing is different now, mm-hmm. and I think all shows, and and, and that shows, shows, and, and a lot of shows comparing the, the old shows to the new shows today. That's an interesting point. The other thing I really was, th- and you probably did this with Dragnet when you went back and rewatched them all, the number of really well-written stories that could have taken place today. Like oh, you th- definitely, you think, yeah. You think, yeah. Well, God, you, somebody thought of this 50 years ago plot-wise. Right. Like, well, because it's still rooted in what 
the the inhumanity of man to man. Like people want to kill others for insurance, so they want to try to hide the murder. You know, right? People are still doing that today, right? And some things that they'll say that was that was normal for the '60s or something, and you hear it today, and you're like, wow, they've done that several times in mm-hmm. today's society. I can recall a I can recall an old uh, I don't know if it's Dragnet or Goldman Pyle when I think it was Sergeant Carter. They were out training somewhere. And some kids were off in the distance, like looking for relics or stuff like that, near where they were training with uh, their lot, their grenades and stuff out mm-hmm. in a in a place. And kids weren't supposed to be there. And he's like, "Hey, you kids, get out of here! What are you doing? Get out of here! This is a military installation. You shouldn't even be here. Get in trouble." And uh, Corp, the corporal that was with him, he goes, "Oh, Sarge, come on!" He says, "What, what do you think they're going to do?" He says, "Well, you know, this is a military place that could mm-hmm. find something, you know, or grab something, or, or, or steal something from us. You can never tell what they're going to do." He's like, "What do you think they're going to do? Take a grenade and blow up their school?" And I'm like, well, yeah, this is 1967 mm-hmm. when they said that. Now, I don't know if anybody actually has done that, right? but there's been a lot of things that, that has happened in the last 10 to 15 years that would have been unheard of in 1966. Right. Like that. So it was, it was kind of chilling to hear that. Like, right. oh, wow, that's a, a nice mindset you could imagine to be in back then. The audience there would have laughed like, you're right, nobody's going to yeah, do something do stupid that. like that. And you <laughs> watch it yeah. now today, you go, ooh, oh, someone could do that. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna put you in jail for breach of promise. The other you thing, promised to marry me and you didn't do it, so I'm yeah. gonna sue you. I'm like, you could do that back then. I didn't know that. The other thing I find interesting, um, and you I'm sure you do too, looking at older shows, is the style of filming. And you have oh, to yeah. recognize, okay. Well, yeah, you have to do. They're gonna that. do that because that's the best they could do with television right. cameras and stuff. And they didn't have the kind of multi million dollar budgets for the streaming, small especially screen. for television. Yeah, back then. So you know, sometimes you just have to accept it's gonna be a little a little. Well, yeah, silly at times. And if you can't do that, don't just don't watch it because you're not you're going to be disappointed. And yeah. I hate and I, I feel a little sorry for folks that have that limitation on them that can't watch something from an era where it's filmed because they're like, oh, uh, Steve Austin is stuck and the bad guys have him have him trapped in the woods. You know, geez, he, he can't even just pull out his cell phone and call for help. I'm like, yeah, because he didn't have one. It didn't exist. He didn't even have cell service in his bionic arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be nice if he had a little thing he could click open his arm and have right. a telephone, and that would have been a good <laughs> thing to add. But they didn't do that. But you had to realize hey, it was a different time. Come on, people. Mm-hmm. Don't, if you can't enjoy a movie like King Kong because it's in black and white and it's an old-style stop-motion photography, special effects, if you can't enjoy it, I'm sorry, Believe me, kids, they're going to be making fun of your movies 40 years from now. Yeah. Because it's all going to come around oh, <laughs> and trust bite me. you. I, I'll remind everybody when I try to introduce my kids to Willow. Yeah. Having first seen Lord of the Rings. R- right. I'm like, if you like Lord of the Rings, this was the movie I saw that I thought was really fun in the movies. Oh, You'll like it. It's no. fun. And they started laughing at it. And then yeah. I started feeling like it, we should just turn this off now. Because <laughs> you're like, embarrassed at that point. I'm, like, like, I'm oh, sorry, no, I, kids. I recommended this film to I'm my telling, kids. And I've told you the line. When when the two-headed little monster comes out and they have the fight with this monstrous right. dragon, and they go, why does it look like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? <laughs> like You're like, because that's the same way they animated it. Because it's stop-motion <laughs> photography. <laughs> why didn't you tell me? This Yuka- looked really cool when I was your age. <laughs> the, the Yukon Cornelius is going to come out and defeat the, uh, what, did, what was the Ebersisk <laughs> dragon thing? So you're right. Um, yeah, if you can't if you can't understand when the movie was made, then you don't need to you don't need to do it. Then just find just watch new movies. Then what can I tell right. you? I don't know what to tell you. Just, and then you don't have much of a choice either with some of the crap that comes out. Oh, you like new films? Well, I can point out some new ones that are big steaming piles of crap. Oh, there's two. I mean, probably more of them good. than good ones. Um, yeah. Speaking of Willow, uh, that that was really. 
The problem I have with Willow is the st- number one, the story was Star Wars all over again. It was the same exact story, just set in an, in another era. But the the dra- the Ibrisisk two headed dragon thing mm-hmm. to me that was kind of really the only dated effect in it. I mean, the little the little Daikini small guys, they were obviously blue screened on the screen, right. but they were still, I still accepted that they were tiny and they were there. They did there a wasn't really much anything else looked bad. In um, the fight the score, sequences were good. The score is the score, James Horner is great. Yeah, Ron Howard's direction, always spot it, on. It did do something, though, that, of course, we take for granted now, but nobody had ever done the morphing that they right. had in that one scene of, where he's of, trying uh, to convert her back from the bird the, the, the to old, the human. The queen lady, yeah. That had never been done before. And they didn't even know if it would work. And they purposely, Lucas pushed for that yep. effect, which ushered mm. in. When I saw that in the theater, I was like, holy crap, that's not stop frame animation. Right. They that's, actually morphed it. And, and think then. about it. They, they didn't have the ability to do the monsters, but they right, were able to right. morph images to image and keep it moving right i was blown away in the theater uh the, the other the other movie that'll that'll blow you away about that a little bit is the first time i think they ever tried to do that i think the first what was the first movie with the cgi like that it was young sherlock holmes young sherlock holmes with the stained, the stained glass, glass window night comes off they got him the academy award for visual effects in that movie time, and even now but see i can watch it and go that's still impressive because i know what year that came out and, mm-hmm. and all the work that no telling how long it took them to do that back to with render the computers they yeah. had but yeah, so uh, yeah, if you can't you can't enjoy old cinema, and by the way, last night was a national movie night. Was last night, so yeah. we had a good time. Uh, I watched Gremlins last night. Gremlins had its uh, its anniversary this past week, and I'm like, what can I watch on National Movie Night? I'll watch Gremlins and Pops and Popcorn. It was fun watching Gremlins. Speaking on there, when we come back, we'll flash the audience of the news of the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. <laughs> Jonathan Hart, a self-made millionaire, was quite a guy. This is Mrs. H. She's gorgeous. She's one lady who knows how to take care of herself. By the way, my name is Max. I take care of both of them, which ain't easy. Because when they met, it was murder. so bad about feeding Reginald? The smell. The mess. Yeah, and the cost, especially of those small cans. Listen, you guys, now we've got tender vittles. No smell, no mess, and it costs a lot less than those small cans. But will Reginald eat it? Look, he loves tender vittles. It's so moist and delicious. No smell, no mess. And no cans. Tender vittles, no cans, no mess, and cost a lot less. Circles, whirls, and curlicues, and clouds of color. Spirograph, the miracle drawing set that lets you make a million marvelous designs, now introduces Super Spirograph. 
bigger, more exciting, with a new assortment of snap-together pieces that let you make bigger, more fantastic designs than ever before. Dream designs, they are, they can be more. With new Super Spirograph. We now return to our program. back it's bk on the air here i'm your retro radio rocket man right here on am 1450 and 100.3 fm wbhf it's good to hear that am radio is not dead and got another uh, i don't think it was going to be dead anyway with what was going on with what was it ford not wanting to put am tuners in their new vehicles or whatnot uh, who listens to am radio anymore you'd be surprised you, know, you really would do and we, we talked to, that to death I we know need we to do did. a shout out to our uh, station manager because he was actually interviewed by bob houghton of the georgia association of broadcasters Matt santini yeah that's right and um and as a part of the push by all of these broadcasters to convince our government and these car makers that am still serves a purpose you may not think yeah. about it but when the emergency happens, when the local emergency, whether it's a tornado, a fire, right. a flood, most people tune to their local radio. You can't wait for the podcast version of the news to come out. You want right. it now. And I know that they can tune into AM or FM. I mean, there's an FM signal, too. But still, the, the fact but that they're both of, there to listen to. But there's a lot of places in the country that have small stations in the middle of nowhere that are only AM. Only AM still. That's right. We and were only AM until just a scant few years so what, ago. Like, yeah, Seven, eight years ago, yeah. we bought a translator. And it's a translator. So it's really right. we had to wait for a signal to become available right. to even use. Because it's so regulated. But thank goodness for that. That was great to hear that that happening, and I'm very happy for that. Because hey, we got a vested interest. I know we're we're in radio, so we're going to say that. But you know what? I said it before. If I wasn't in radio, I would still support that. I still think it needs to be there. I, 100%. I mean, come on. Well, it's time that we uh, flash the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. I need to put on my readers here so I can read this thing here. <laughs> I don't want to wear them all the time because people see me here like, why is he wearing them glasses? Why is Grandma Paul wearing them glasses all the time on the television? Uh, he doesn't sound that old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, you should hear me when someone cuts me off on the interstate. <laughs> I turn into the oldest man you ever heard. This is from Fox News. Uh, South Carolina man David Joseph D'Alessandro, 25, was arrested following the reported incident at a quick stop convenience store in the small town of Sharon. It was located about 45 miles southwest of Charlotte, according to the York County Sheriff's Office. D'Alessandro is accused of walking into the store around 5.45 p.m. Tuesday, this past Tuesday, wearing a mask. I don't know if it was COVID-related, but he had a mask on. A wig. That's not COVID-related. Hoodie, sweatshirt, and carrying a spray-painted Nintendo game pistol, the sheriff's office said. Is this the duck hunt pistol? The suspect showed the clerk the fake gun in the waistband of his pants and then demanded money from the cash register, they said. Roughly 300 bucks was taken from the register. Delisandro was located in a Dollar General store parking lot down the street with the duck hunt pistol in his pants, authority says. He was arrested and booked into the York County Detention Center. Now, uh, if you don't remember Duck Hunt, by the way, because it, it was a video game back on NES. Didn't it come with the original NES? Like that was one of the, the included games? I think it did was one of the original. It was released in the 1980s for the Nintendo Entertainment System and involves shooting virtual ducks that the player's faithful dog flushes out according to the Nintendo's <laughs> fandom website. 
Players used the game pistol called an NES Zapper. It actually had a name to point at the television set and shoot targets in the game. Yeah, so there it is. <laughs> a little little duck hunting for you there on Super NES. By That's the way, great. you and I love dogs, and I love dogs, but I have never in my life wanted to take a, a, a Super Nintendo Zapper gun and shoot a dog in a game when he when you would miss in the game mm-hmm. and he'd come up and laugh at you. I just wanted to smack him with the gun, <laughs> so just a little shot, you know, in the tail or something like you that. Stupid dog. I hated that. So, stupid. but the duck hunt was fun. I mean, it was frustrating, but it was very fun. So there you go. He, he thought he could rob a place with a Nintendo zapper. No, well, he did. Well, he did. Yeah, because they didn't know. And, and who, who could? I mean, who could tell if it's in his waistband? I guess they just saw the handle or the grip or whatever. Yeah, we're getting to the point where you don't want to take a chance. Nope. All right, I've got the next news. I've been, never been hit by a Nintendo zapper. It might hurt. It'll no, shock we, me we or something. We tried shooting you. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't do anything. <laughs> okay, good. I, I even looked down the barrel and squeezed the trigger. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> All right. Websitehotels.com revealed the most unusual room service requests at its associated accommodations, including requests for... These are from funny people who may have had one or two beverages beforehand. Maybe one or two, yeah. Hey, can you all set up some diet water? Diet water. <laughs> or the other one. The missus and I were looking for some melted ice cream. You think you might be able to bring some of that up? <laughs> melted ice cream. Hotels.com said its inaugural room service report, which analyzed room service trends at hotels listed on the website, uncovered several bizarre requests placed by hotel guests. Bizarre. The site said the weirdest ones reported by hotel staff members included diet water, melted ice cream. Could you bring me some blowfish? <laughs> I don't even know what this is. I'm going to read it exactly as printed. Cockle popcorn. A what? Okay, I don't know what that is either. I I have no idea. An omelet without egg. Sorry, an omelet without egg whites. Okay. A rice bowl for our dog. Bison meat and boiled bottled water. Mixed together or just together? That's I'm going to guess what they meant is, okay. I don't want tap water. Can you get bottled water and, and boil it and bring me it? And when someone has too much and is inebriated, I don't want to know what they want melted ice cream for. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? One get, This is like the pranks we used to pull on like recruits. Yeah, but these guys are serious. Right. Yeah, this is a prank we would, thing. We yeah. would tell people in the Navy, like, hey, can you go on down to the PX and look for 50 yards of shoreline? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm here to pick up I'm some a, shoreline. I'm a... I'm a, I'm a <laughs> I'm a seaman first class. I'll go do whatever you want. Sounds like real. Or like the, 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 the junior mechanic saying, oh, you know what? You're probably low on blinker fluid. Blinker fluid. <laughs> Is that why it's out? I've been, my, my turn signal wasn't working. Well, did you check your blinker fluid? <laughs> the, the things with, and people who don't know better were like, I need to go get some blinker fluid. Send them to the store and they just laugh at you. That's funny. <laughs> You they're never... so scared, though. They're in the military. I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whatever you say. They're so paranoid. Uh, one guest requested the cook or the hotel cook to serve a fish the visitor brought with them. <laughs> hey, okay. I got me a fresh caught fish. Can I get you to cook this up hey, for what me? What is that? That's not a fish. Another asked for egg-free shakshuka, an egg dish, a uh, heavy is. egg dish, also known as eggs in hell. <laughs> okay. Hotels.com said its report so also funny. looked at some of the more unusual room service offerings hotels listed on their website. Some of those included uh, the Millstone, or I guess maybe it's the Milestone Hotel in London, offers in-room concerts for members of the 
from of the Royal Philharmonic. The Post Oak <laughs> Hotel in Houston offers a $1,600 burger that comes with a 24-carat gold brioche bun. I've heard about that one. And the Plaza Hotel in New York City offers a Home Alone Sunday, a $300 Home Alone 2 Lost in New York-inspired Sunday with 16 scoops of ice cream and several layers of toppings. I've heard the Millstone is a milestone hotel, by the way. Either way, you want to put it, that's fine. <laughs> We've got the next news. Do you? <laughs> Take your mockery somewhere from else. From UPI. Uh, it was a scene straight out of a hit film across the Spider-Verse when 685 people gathered at a mall in Malaysia while dressed as various incarnations of our favorite web slinger, Spider-Man. That's right. The event organized by Sony Pictures Malaysia and AEON, AEON Mall saw 685 people show up in the shopping center while dressed in the costumes sported by various versions of the Marvel hero, including Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Miguel O'Hara, and Gwen Stacy. Those are all the people that have been a some form or fashion of Spider-Man over the years. Uh, a Guinness World Record uh, judge was presented at the mall to, pre- to verify the, the count and ensure that each participant spent at least, and this is what they do, you got to spend at least five minutes in the designated area for it to count. We were involved in a Star Trek costume thing many years ago at Dragon Con. Like thousands of us piled into one room mm-hmm. at one of the hotels and like, okay, you have to hold this for five minutes. For I mean, if anybody leaves, just close the door. You can't leave for five <laughs> minutes till it's, for it to be official. Uh, the judge presented a certificate to the organizers after confirming the total was more than 601 people who donned the Spider-Man suits in an event held in India in December of 2021. So that's the one that they, they beat. So there you go. Some Spider-Man fans in Malaysia. Isn't it great? that it's true the marvel superheroes and superheroes in general transcend the globe wherever mm-hmm. they are there's spider-man fans in the middle of malaysia or in the jungles and wherever you go it's big on there if i can only get unstuck i'll be swinging at one of my most fearsome foes next week we'll return after these messages My Tupperware lady has the freshest ideas, like all sorts of sizes and other surprises. My Tupperware lady has the freshest ideas for locking in freshness. Go to a Tupperware party and see whole bunches of convenient ways to store and serve food. And more, more, more delicious colors. Go to a party soon. Your Tupperware lady has the freshest ideas for locking in freshness. The world looks mighty good to me Cause Tootsie rolls around, I see Whatever it is I think I see Becomes a Tootsie Roll to me Tootsie Roll, have a lunch of chocolate chew Tootsie Roll, I think I'm in love with you Whatever it is I think I see Becomes a Tootsie Roll to me This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air. I do find it interesting that the, uh, what is the uh, the killing curse in Harry Potter? How do you say it? Abracadabra. Uh, uh, I find it funny that it's so close to abracadabra. It, it, I think that's, that's the Because that's the old magician's thing for, you know, when you're an old magician. Abracadabra. Uh, I want to reach out and grab you. I want to reach out and grab you. <laughs> so, yeah. It is pretty close, so, to that. And I guess it was on purpose. Well, you well got- yeah, a lot of the stuff in the J.K. Rowling universe was uh, borrowed from... 
things. It's on quite a lot in my household. You know what's funny? There's if you've not Harry seen Potter. the comedian who says J- the whole Harry Potter world is really just Star Wars retold. And you're oh, like, no, Wait I haven't a minute, seen how that. is it Star Wars? <laughs> I haven't seen that. You you listen to this guy monologue for like nine seconds, you're like, Oh my god, it's Star it Wars. Kind of is. An orphan kid left with his aunt and uncle who want nothing to do with the world from which he comes from, have to raise him, pretending that that world doesn't exist, only to find a bearded stranger suddenly comes along to give him tutelage about what he needs to learn about the world that he actually comes from. And tries to wield a little weapon in his hand. He ends to up use. becoming good friends with both a boy and a girl, and although there's some weird sexual tension, one turns out to be more like a sister <laughs> than a friend, and right. the other friend wants to be involved with the sister. That's right. Like, it's, yes. Holy crap. It is. <laughs> it's Star Wars. So is Willow. <laughs> Willow is too. Like, at Star one Willow. point, they'll have a big furry oaf who has, a, like, a giant <laughs> who will guide them through various That's areas. That's right. We did have one extra news that we want to go ahead and get to. <laughs> I'm sure if we look deeper, we'll find. And John Williams does the music and to John it. And Williams There's does you go. The There's score. the cherry on top right there. An 18-foot-long crocodile. My goodness, that's a big croc. That's a big one. That's a croc. That's a load of croc. No, that's it's a, a big croc. croc. It's yeah. an 18-foot crocodile known as the largest in the world is celebrating what the Australian caretakers believe is his 120th birthday. The Guinness World Record holding crocodile named Cassius was captured in the Phineas River in the LaBelle Station area of Australia's Northern Territory back in 1984. Cassius was uh, uh, captured by a team of scientists after being blamed for a string of cattle deaths in the area. The crocodile now lives at Marineland Crocodile Park on Green Island in the Great Barrier Reef in Queensland. Toddy Scott, whose grandfather, George Craig, purchased Cassius and brought him to Green Island in 1987, said researchers estimate the crocodile is about 120 years old. He still has a lot of spark in him, Scott says. Cassius is always up for some interaction. Yeah, at 18 feet, he's probably up to try to figure out how to make you his next meal. <laughs> I, I certainly hope that when I reach, you know, I know I'm not going to, reach 120 i like to think that i am i i like to think i'm going to probably be the first person that's going to be the oldest human being on the planet i got hopes it'd be nice to think that but i don't think it's gonna happen but if i live to be just really old let's say i crack 90 95 maybe even reach 100 i'd love for somebody to say that about me too he still has a lot of spark in him Mm. bk is always up for some interaction (laughs) that's what i hope they say about me too that would be a good thing to say that would really be nice because I don't know how long. Who knows how long anybody's going to live. Knows. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. That's why I don't but, dwell um, on it. Because if I do, I start panicking myself. But they are. <laughs> they are. I look at I look at crocodiles. I look at alligators. I look at uh, mo- the big monitor lizards, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that get really big and they won't. They, they, how about they're, the Komodo they're, dragons? They're, yeah, their bite won't bite your arm off, but the bite's so poisonous that in their saliva, the poison will kill you where they can just chase you down and eat you after they do bite you. Those creatures, even a rhinoceros, those are our modern-day dinosaurs. We still have them. They look like dinosaurs. Because mm-hmm. look at it, look at a rhino's head and the horn he's got, and, and he just looks like one of those veggie-eating dinosaurs back <laughs> in the day. Like He looks like he's not a triceratops. He's a monoceratops. Right. He's just got one horn. So... It's, I mean, they even look like, when you look at the Triceratops, the, the practical effect of the one they had in Jurassic Park, the first one that's sitting there that's sick, mm-hmm. and he's breathing, and they built the practical effect for that shot, which looked great, by Still the way. Still looks fantastic. His, his feet kind of look like elephant feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and they, they, we do have our modern-day dinosaurs. We really do. And a lot of the birds, ostriches, uh, some of these big birds, the, uh, the, the emus, you know, a lot of, a lot of birds we're related to, they say... We know how they say a lot of the smaller, like the raptor-like species evolved into our modern birds. When you look at, like I've been recently looking at, oh, I'm just going to say for for, for sake of argument, chickens. 
Yeah, yeah. And I start looking at the way that they move their heads and everything. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, they're just like and, the raptors. And the ostriches. Yeah, they they all like, do that. <laughs> I'm gonna find out how to peck and kill and you. And <laughs> they probably use that as a guide in the special effects for them to make them move it's, around and look that way. It's amazing to look at. It's funny we should bring that up because last night I had heard, and this was totally just impromptu last night. You know, I, I got on YouTube and I and I thought, well, you know, I started thinking about. I read an article about Phil Tippett, the stop motion. Mm-hmm. the god of stop motion well let's say he's the secondary god ray harryhausen was the first one and then Trill Tippett took, took on that mantle and so did chris wallace in a way for gremlins but you watch it and all the work that phil Tippett has done like the empire strikes back snow walker scene the little uh chessboard in star wars that chewie's playing all the stuff and all those guys you know were big uh admirers of ray harryhausen and the old sinbad movies and mm-hmm. king kong and stuff well, I, I remember seeing someone told me that Phil Tippett and there was there was a reel and I, if I'd seen it, it had been a long time. I maybe had watched a special effects special about it or it was on one of the making ofs. But they did do stop motion tests for Jurassic Park, and they're on YouTube. You can see them. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's there's the, the raptors that come into the room, the kitchen, chasing the kids around in the in the kitchen. They did a stop motion one of it, and then someone took it and actually split screened it with what was actually in the movie. And the scenes are the exact same. That they set them up the exact same way. They moved right. around. They jumped up on the top of that metal table in the stop motion version they did. And I will say this: the stop motion version of, of course, the CGI wound up looking so much more realistic and better. That's why they went with it. It was a groundbreaking decision, and they never looked back after that. But watching the, the stop motion, like, well, if that hadn't happened, this is what we would have seen. It still looked pretty darn good because yeah. it got so fluid in the way they could do it much better than, than maybe some of the stuff they'd done in the past. Because Phil Tippett did RoboCop 2 as well, the big giant RoboCop and RoboCop 2. Uh, it well, got so much better at it that it still, I think, would have been a successful movie probably. The crazy thing point. is they actually, he pioneered what they now called Go Motion go instead motion, of Stop yeah. Motion. Yep. And that's when they kind of artificially added motion blur which is right. Why, the reason why stop motion looks a little weird is because every scene is perfect. It's a it's perfect so clear. picture. Yeah. And so it looks weird to our eyes. Right. Whereas when we see film, there's blur between scenes, but it's sure. going by so fast. So they've, the, he helped pioneer go motion technology, which is why it looked so good. And they, that's exactly how Spielberg was going to film it. They shot, them, they shot themselves in the foot a little bit by wanting it to look so perfect that it wound up looking fake. Right. They're like, put a little, put a little distortion in, in this because it'll look... Well, the cool More thing, and I think yeah. you had to do this, and ironically, that's why I love about you know Phil Tippett and Dennis Muir and all these people thinking, well, we're out of a business. You turned out that, well, the computer can do a lot, but someone still needs to tell the computer what it's supposed to look like. Right. And so they used all those stop-motion tests as really visual storyboards. They did. That's They're why like, the scene is set up the exact same like, way. Don't, we don't need to redo it. We blocked it right. out how it should <laughs> right. look. So right. just make it look like this. And, and then even, like a, they built the, the, the models. Because they didn't right. know how to put That's data what I was about to say. Computer. They still have to build a 3D model you can right. look at. Well, they don't now anymore, but at right. least they at did the time, for a long time. Yeah. And they, they were, because these, these anime, or excuse me, these programmers, they were not artists. No, like, no. Like they created the program that made it look so amazing. They were just but numbers. Someone need to say, well, we studied how the animal should move. Right. And so they actually built a, uh, a literally a robot, a little mechanical thing where they could pose it send the data of where it's posed to the computer, the computer would say, oh, this is where the arm moved a little bit. This is where the tail moved a little bit. So that's why that movement looks so good, because technically it was programmed by the Go Motion artists. It was just fed into a computer. I thought it was fascinating to see that that stop-motion footage made for Jurassic Park. It's It's actually fun to see Now, I do know that they also went after uh, them for the one thing that they chose to take out, because he had a little snake tongue. Right, the, that was, I Raptors. saw that too, yeah. And, uh, the, Which was kind of creepy, but it looked, looked a little comical. The experts that they brought in that are dinosaurs, like, 
dinosaurs didn't have yeah, snake they didn't tongues. Have they didn't. They didn't. They didn't no, yeah. that looks dumb. And so they got rid yeah. of that. And also in 19, I think it was 78, you can also log on to YouTube and look for this too. Look for the 78 footage of the CGI test that these guys did that went on. These guys went on to do The Last Starfighter and Tron. Some of the people I think did the special effects for those films. Because every spaceship in The Last Starfighter, the movie, that's based on the kid that finds the video game and then t- gets taken into space, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, all the all the space footage in it was, was computer generated in that for 1985. Mm-hmm. And they did a, a, an effects reel for George Lucas in 1978 with X-Wing fighters. There's shots of them flying around. They're, they're in formation and doing stuff. And they, they're kind of in a, a stuck loop, you know, where they, right. they wrote a program where they only move a certain way. And they submitted it to him after Star Wars had came out in 1978. It's on YouTube. And it's interesting to see it because you look at it and you're like, it looks a little Last Starfighter-ish, but not as good because it would be a few years before they did the Last right. Starfighter and it looked better. And now it looks even better than that. But it was cool because you know, someone said Lucas told him, goes, that's nice. You're, you're not quite there yet. I like it, but keep working at it. And look what happened. Well, I mean, the, for me, the first movie that was truly digital CGI was Tron. Yeah, a, a lot of it was live action. Yeah, you're right. But, but they added uh, the tanks and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the, the, the light cycles. Yeah, that was What's all crazy computer. about. Think about how far we've come. What's crazy about Tron because they didn't have the ability to match things yet. So they would just right. put out a scene. That's right. We and said they it. didn't have storage. They would render right. a scene, and then they'd have to clear everything for the next scene. And then by the time the director would look at it, they go, "It doesn't match." They'd yeah. have to redo yeah. it from scratch. They like, couldn't just go back in and make like, a change. I don't like how the the light cycles moved here. Let's change them to this. And he's like, "We have to redo the whole thing." They have to re-render everything. <laughs> and from even scratch. then, even then, the computers took up a building. You know, right? It's like these right. gigantic and no things. storage. Like, God, yes. it's such a big file. We don't have a place to well, store it. Think think about this: special effects in the '30s, King Kong. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Then you got special effects in the 50s that came along with it, and the 30s, and the later 30s and 50s were more makeup stuff like Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and well, stuff like Lon that. But Lon Cheney started that a and while then, ago. Oh, yeah, th- th- that's another type of, of effects. But effects in the, the 50s got more into, uh, they started experimenting with, with projection screens for spaceships and stuff at that point, and some of them were on strings and just what? shot in, with miniatures. And then we moved into the 60s, and we had Star Trek, we had blue screen, the Enterprise shot with blue screen and, and adding phaser effects with animation and stuff. And then 70s, we... we before Star Wars, we had some. There were some, contrary to popular belief, there were sci-fi movies in the seventies <laughs> before Star Wars. Really? There was Logan's Run. There was Silent Running. There was Planet of the Apes. Some of those, you know, they had effects too. Star Wars came in and ground broke a lot of things. Then, then you got into the eighties. ILM started getting massive and doing all those things, and were great. Then you had Jurassic Park, which blew everyone's socks off at that point and changed it again. What, we've already seen hints of the, the the deep fake things now. That's the next big I thing. I think that's the next big is thing. Is making things. What is going to be the next big special effects It's going to be, I think, a, a 100% AI directed, or not AI directed, but AI created. A human director will tell the computer, here's what the scene should look like. And it should star uh, so-and-so who's been dead for t- 20 years or something like that. That's coming. If, if, if the Could estate, put a lot of people out of work. If the estate will agree to it to let that person's likeness be used, I guess, whoever owns the likeness of it. It's BK on the air. We like to speculate the future, but you know what? I'm wrong a lot about stuff that happened. I used to be pretty good at it, but I don't know what's going to happen anymore. It's BK on the air. And now, these messages. Hello, I'm Vincent Price. For many years now, mankind and his offspring have been searching for an alternative to peanut butter and jelly. 
After employing the latest methods in technology, the Peter Paul Candy Company has found the alternative to peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter with no jelly. Pure, creamy peanut butter dotted with Krispies, covered with pure milk chocolate, but no jelly. I'm sure you're as pleased as I am. <laughs> is the digital game that you can take with you anywhere. With the batteries you supply, the light-emitting diode zips across the screen. You try to press the right button to send it back. An automatic readout keeps score. Two people or only one can play. When you play with Blip, you get carried away. <laughs> so does Blip. Blip, the digital game from Tomy. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here, having a good time off the air as well as on the air. I do want to remind you that October the 3rd, 2023, this year, a new book is coming out. I actually saw it on his Twitter page. He released the, the story about it. I think that's when it's coming out. It's a book, and I'm going to give you the title. You tell me who you think it is. I mean, it's going to be easy to tell, you, to tell who it is. The title is Making It So, a Memoir. Who it's going to have to be Jean-Luc Picard. That is Patrick Stewart's <laughs> new book coming out. on. Uh, it's already ready for pre-order on Amazon. It says, From the acclaimed stage, triumphs to his legendary on-screen work as the Star Trek and X-Men franchises. Sir, I keep forgetting he's a sir, sir, sir Patrick Stewart has captivated audiences around the world and across multiple generations and his indelible command of stage and screen. Now he presents his long-awaited memoir, Make It So. A revealing portrait of an artist whose astonishing life from his humble beginnings in Yorkshire, England, to the heights of Hollywood and worldwide acclaim prove a story as exuberant, definitive, and enduring as the author himself. So there you go. We get to read about Patrick Stewart's life because I don't know a lot about Patrick Stewart in his personal life. I know about his professional life from the roles he's been in. Mm -hmm. But you can, it looks like you can get it uh, hardcover on Amazon for thirty-one fifty, Kindle sixteen ninety-nine, audio CD for why is that? Oh man, the audio you can still order an audio CD. Wow, for f almost fifty bucks, forty-four ninety-nine. Um, so there you, you go. know the first time, and I didn't know who it was. I had no idea because I was a kid and didn't know his background. But the first time I ever saw Patrick Stewart. And he looks exactly like he does for Captain Jean-Luc Picard was in the movie Dune. Yes. He, where played, he played Gurney uh, Halleck. Gurney Halleck, yep. That taught Paul how to fight and stuff and like I'm that. I'm like, yeah. has that guy ever had hair? <laughs> no. Well, I think he has, but he gave it up a long time ago. I remember seeing him in- But he's got in, the um, same look as Jean-Luc Picard. There was a British show that PBS used to show that was shot on video called I, Claudius. Do you remember that show? Mm -mm. It, was, it was about Cla I, Claudius. It was that show about uh, back in the, I guess, in the Caesar times oh. or whatever. And you watch it, and you're like, uh, Patrick Stewart was on it. Brian Blessed was on it. Everybody <laughs> that was somebody back then, John Hurt was on it back before. Well, it was, was a BBC star. thing. It was a BBC so. show shown here on PBS. And I saw him then, but I, back then I'm like, well, that's the first time I saw him, but I didn't know who he was. Right. It's like, first, it's kind of it's the first time you recognize someone's, you know, being mm -hmm. a, But Dune... Uh, Life Force, a horror film directed by Toby Hooper about uh, space vampires. That was one of the earliest things I saw him in, and and he was also he plays Leon de Grant's in Excalibur. Patrick Stewart does too. He's in Excalibur. Is he really? Yeah, he plays the guy whose castle is being attacked by uh, by a, 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 an enemy, and uh, Arthur shows up to help, but hasn't been christened a knight yet. So yeah, he has a prominent part in. Uh, in I'm going to have to rewatch it. He's one of the knights of the Round Table, time. and so is Liam Neeson. Is in Excalibur as one of the knights of the round table. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Liam Neeson is in Excalibur as well. 
<laughs> you need to watch Excalibur again. It's such a great movie. You need to see it. So They're I, both in I've it. I've seen all of these famous people <laughs> multiple times when they yep. were really nobody yet. Yep. And because I haven't seen Excalibur in about 20 years, I have no recollection of any of these people. Yeah, and they both I have, only know him. And it's just not cameos. They both have prominent roles in it. Him and Liam Neeson have prominent roles in, in, those, in that movie. Uh, I have to rewatch I it. I think it's interesting how movies will come out and it has people in it. And when you watch them, you're like, oh, those two people were the star of the film. But mm-hmm. they went nowhere. But these guys <laughs> went everywhere later in their career. Right. It's so weird how that happens. But uh, I'll have to show you a clip of them at, at the next break, uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's, he plays a very plays kind of a traitor uh, in, in Excalibur I'm, in a way. To say mind blown <laughs> is, is an understatement. Were, I thought you were joking when no. you said you don't remember him being in it. No, uh, I just I remember the dude that played Merlin, and I love the way he Nicole played Nicole Williamson, who played a great Hamlet, by the way, one yeah. of the best Hamlet films I've and ever seen. Was obviously him. this this newcomer who played King Arthur, Nigel Terry. Yeah, that Helen cool. Helen Mirren is in Excalibur. She plays his sister, Morgana. That's Helen Mirren. Oh. Dude, you need to watch Excalibur again. You really need to see, and watch I the good copy it. I want to watch it again because, you know, and I know you watch disagree good, with me, but I thought it just ended, and I hated how it ended. There's nothing you can say that will make me not think Excalibur is perfect. I think it's perfect. It shows. I think it shows the progression of time perfectly with him aging and stuff. But it does end because when he dies, that's it. It's, it's over. It's like, that's how but, the book But ends. for me, it's like he ends up finding out that he's gotten his sister pregnant, and the next right. thing you know, here's the grown kid, and the next thing you know, they're right. stabbing but, each other but in the there, field. But there's this passage of time there. If you watch, there in is a five minutes time. of yes, screen but they, time. But you see it though, because yeah. because there's a way that it felt they like they go. It. We're out of money. We spent so That's much with everything stop else. Stop that! I love that movie. Stop that! <laughs> we just got to get well, to the end. Let's do a little on this day in history. But you got to watch it again now. I am going to watch it just for that reason. I loved it when I was a kid. On this day in history, June the tenth is today. On this day in history, 1966, the Mamas and the Papas win gold record for Monday Monday. I'm sure everyone's familiar with that song. And 1972, this song came out and was the biggest hit of this person's career. Who can take a sunrise? I'm always instantly transported back into being a kid when that song starts up. I mean, it doesn't matter. I could hear it when I'm 90 years old, if I make it to 90. But if I hear that, I'll think, you know, Willy Wonka being a kid again because I loved... He doesn't sing it in the movie, but no, it's uh, somebody he, made else. It, he made it very popular mm-hmm. it went to number one and was the biggest hit sammy davis jr ever had and he had a lot of he had a lot of hits and uh, radio plays that's that, that comes from that time and i was i talked about this with somebody not that long ago where you were like the triple or quadruple threat he could sing oh he yeah. could dance he could do comedy since he, could he was act, a kid like he could do everything since he was a kid exactly 1977 on this day in history apple computer ships its first apple ii computers on this day in history apple ii shipped for the, the first apple time two uh, today in history, 1982, American TV sitcom Taxi last airs on ABC, canceled after four seasons and 15 Emmy Award wins, moves to NBC from ABC in the fall and airing for one season and wins three more Emmys. Well, how, how, what does it take to show people that was a great show? <laughs> you cancel it. I thought Taxi was so funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, we got another on this day in history, which is a movie premiere, and it's 30 years old today. <laughs> Bond hits an all-time high. Roger Moore is Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 in Octopussy. Roger Moore in his newest and most thrilling of the James Bond adventures. 
filling the screen with excitement in the tradition of the great James Bond films. Octopussy has everything. Elegant palaces and beautiful women. Good morning. Good morning, sir. My name's Bond. I believe you have a reservation for me. We've been expecting you, sir. I'm Octopussy. And you are James Bond. 007 license to kill. Am I to be your target for tonight? That's right, Octopussy, it's, it's his 30th anniversary, 1983, believe it or not. And I, I remember seeing it in the theater. Uh, I think it was the first Roger, or first James Bond movie I saw in the theater. It wasn't it Live and Let Die? One. No, I, well, I saw that, but I don't remember it. Wasn't was that the drive-in? That was the drive-in. Drive yeah. yeah. Speaking of there, we're going to take a break. We'll do the rest of it when we come back. Stay tuned. A sprinkle a day helps keep the odor away. A sprinkle a day helps keep odor away. The baking soda does it. Shower to shower deodorant body powder is made with baking soda to help neutralize odor. Ordinary body powders don't have it. A sprinkle a day helps keep the odor away. Shower to shower deodorant body powder with baking soda. Have you had your sprinkle today? Introducing the amazing record vacuum by Ronco, the new stereo accessory that protects all your records. Simply insert your record into the record vacuum, turn it on, and your record rotates automatically, sweeping and vacuuming your records instantly, loosening deep damaging microdust particles, 33 and a thirds, 45, 78s, any size fit. Available at Walgreen, Woolworth Wilco, Montgomery Ward, Osco, Turnstile, Venture, Goldblatt's. <laughs> You can roll a roll to your pal. It's chocolate covered caramel. Roll a roll to your gal. It's chocolate covered caramel. Rollo, chewy caramel, and rich milk chocolate. All rolled together. That's Rollo. You can roll a roll to your friend. It's chocolate covered caramel from end to Back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. Let's continue on this day in history because we've got a few more to go. 1985 on this day in history, Coca-Cola announced they're bringing back, bringing back their 99-year-old formula. Yeah, there was a time where they gave up on the formula and changed it back in the 80s. And Alan and some of us really think, was it, was it really a mistake or was it just a huge publicity stunt on purpose to call attention to it and help I guess Coca-Cola's lagging sales at that time because, boy, it did that. It caused a backlash, and everybody demanded the original formula back and classic Coke and all that stuff came back. 1989, uh, Tales from the Crypt TV anthology debuts on HBO. There's a a great show. I used to watch Tales from from the Crypt when it was syndicated, and I didn't have HBO, and they syndicated it on other stations. Another one of those great anthology shows where it was a short story and it had a twist at the end. Was that a practical effect puppet? It was. He was great. Yeah, the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, from from an old uh, 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 Monsters Warren Publishing uh, comic thing, horror comic back in the old days, Tales from the Crypt. They made a movie about it. In the 70s, from the uh, studio that 
was in competition with Hammer Films called Amicus Films, and they made their own Tales from the Crypt movie that was four short stories. 1991, on this day in history, David Lynch's Twin Peaks final episode airs on ABC. There's a, there's a creative filmmaker that I never got into was David <laughs> Lynch. I, I mean, I knew you, you mentioned Dune earlier, mm-hmm. talking about uh, Patrick Stewart. I never was I never was into um, David Lynch's career. I mean, I know he made a lot of stuff, but I never really did get into a lot of his stuff. 770-386-1450 as our number. Someone's calling right now. Hello, it's BK on there. Hello. Barry, 1983 was 30 years ago. 40 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. You said 30. Did I say 30? Well, I meant 40. Yeah, you said 30, and it, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Are you okay? You started questioning your own math, didn't you? Are you okay? <laughs> No. When am I ever okay? <laughs> Honestly, Eric, I was happy thinking it was only 30 years ago. Yeah, we kind of said that to make ourselves <laughs> feel better. I know, I was too, and then I thought about it. See, see now, if you hadn't called and done and corrected us, you might have felt a little better about it, but now you just made us think it was 40 years ago all over again. Mary, I have to, I have to face this. That's great. You're facing it. I know that. Leave me alone. It's okay. Grecian formula is great. It Grecian formula is your friend. really good. <laughs> With your hair, just use it. Oh wait, wait, no, hold, no, just for men. Just for men, yeah, that works too. Yeah. That works on beards oh, no. too, by the way. Oh no, I don't need that yet. I don't need that yet. Have you seen your pictures? Uh, have you seen your videos on YouTube? Look, there's nothing wrong with looking distinguished. There isn't. Just hope we get there one day and look distinguished. It'd be nice. show anymore. Okay, thanks for calling me. Bye. So, okay. So if you look distinguished, could you try to act the part? I'm like, no. No, that's a little too much. Don't no. act. You're, you're looking the part. I don't want to. Uh, oh, another computer thing. Check this out. 1996 on this day in history, June the 10th, Intel releases its 200 megahertz Pentium chip on the this Pentium, day. Pentium, I remember that. Wow, that was huge. 1996. They, they started changing it instead of calling it by, because it was like 286, then 386, then 486. They're like, what are they going to call the fifth one? They're going to go up 586? Like, see, oh, okay, see, you want to mock us? Bring, We're going to call it That's why I bring these up. Pentium. He just... He just he remembers all of it. He's a computer guy. He can talk yeah. all of that. And when well, they, think about it. When that came out in 96, I had no idea what that meant. I'm like, oh, it's a computer. Okay. It just, honestly, <laughs> no idea. it literally was the 586, but they didn't want to keep doing that. They're like, well, sure, yeah. So because it has five in it, they went with Pentium. Right. Sometimes when you, and I know that you know all that because you, you, you used to put computers together and you yeah. know what it all means. But when they start, even today, when they start really talking about computer stuff, I hear the teacher from Charlie Brown here. I'm like, okay, does it work when I turn the on switch? That's all I care about. <laughs> does the program open that I double click? That's all I care about. 2003, the Spirit rover on this day in history is launched, beginning NASA's Mars Exploration Rover mission, which I thought was great. 2007 on television, the Sopranos series finale on HBO, the infamous cut-to-black ending that some people didn't care for, and a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people didn't like it. And I thought, well, what else are they going to do? What else are they going to do? It just kind of cut to black, and you wonder, well, did Tony get killed there, Soprano? What happened at the end? Right. I guess it was open for you to decide because if there had been an actual ending where he got shot or survived and almost survived went to the hospital, you still weren't going to please everybody. You're never going to please everybody. No. So that kind of ending sometimes I think when I look back on it works for everybody because no one's no one's satisfied and everybody and, and no one's <laughs> you know it's just it's a blanket no thing one's you know. Satisfied. 
Some people, are, I thought it was satisfying. What are you, you going to show? Uh, in 2013, Superman, the Man of Steel premiered on this day in history, June the 10th, with Henry Cavill. Birthdays on this day include Herbert Morse, that's Barry Morse, actor, British-Canadian actor. He was the guy who chased David Jensen on The Fugitive. He played Dr. Bergman on Space 1999, and he was also in the Winds of War miniseries mm. with Robert Mitchum. Great actor, uh, fantastic actor, died in 2008. Today is Judy Garland's birthday. She died in 1969, and today is also... Elizabeth Hurley's birthday today. She is 58 years old. She's still married Ta- to... Um, no, not, not to... Hugh, Hugh Grant? Grant? No. Not anymore? Okay. And and when I saw the incident and the person he had the incident with, I'm like, dude, you're married to Elizabeth Hurley. What were you thinking? I, I felt I don't the get same that. way. I don't get now, that. Now, I do understand, and the, the old adage is, you look at Hollywood people, they're all beautiful and perfect, but right. they get divorced left and right because it doesn't matter how hot you are, you get sick and tired of That's somebody's true. nonsense. That's what I heard. But, I mean, you could have found I mean, someone. please, please. At least in the same maybe upper echelon <laughs> sure. of the zero to ten scale. Somebody you don't have You've to, got a ten. Somebody you don't have to pay. And you're like, well, I'm going <laughs> to find something. a one yeah. to see what that's like. No. Whatever, Hugh. Uh, and he's a good at I love almost he everything pretty good he grants in. Um, it's always National Something Day every day, and I, I try to pick out a few. I can't pick out all of them every day because sometimes there's a huge, gigantic list of national days. But today is, and my, my better half will love this, it's National Ice Tea Day today. And she loves sweet ice tea. Mm. Loves it. She likes a little tea with her sugar. Let's put it that way. Uh, and today is National Egg Roll Day. So get an egg and go out and roll it on the sidewalk or something. <laughs> that I think that that's means? a great day. Yeah, it says egg roll. It says egg roll. So get out and roll an egg. Just be careful. Don't 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 break it. Because as Vincent says in uh, The Black Hole, you cannot unscramble eggs. Mm. So, yeah. Is this where we roll. go to the uh, the hibachi restaurant and they all do the same joke? Look, egg roll. <laughs> egg roll. And I'm like. They spin the egg. That was like, funny maybe the second time I saw yeah. it. And then the, then the uh, what is it, the onion volcano? Uh-huh. Put all the I didn't up, realize the there was one up. act somebody came up with, and that's it. There's only one and act. And it spread all and over everyone to does the same act. What, what we don't know is there's this there's this manual that they all have. They all have a part. They're a part of the group. They're like, sign this. You must do every one of these every time to mm-hmm. be a part of this society. The Hibachi Grill Chef Society. <laughs> it's like the Illuminati right. of the thing. Go buy this or you're out of it. They don't teach them how to cook. They teach them how to do the tricks. The cooking, you just hope you know do how the, to do. Do the train, the little train thing. Woo-woo, pushing the onion with it that's on fire, yep. smoking. Push the onion on by. But uh, Oh, I'd forgotten about, did I close it? I was going to play it. Um, Tales from the Crypt. Did you ever watch the TV show, Tales from the Crypt? No, I never HBO? had HBO. You never had HBO, so you've never seen it. Well, good, then I can spring this on you. I'm going to play the theme to Tales from the Crypt from HBO. Mm-hmm. And you listen to the theme and th- see if you can tell me who wrote it. Maybe, maybe you can tell. So there you go. There, there it is. You got, you got a guess no, on no, who writes that? No, no. This is, this think, is uh, really House hard. of Horror from think, The Simpsons. Well, it, it's Tales of the Crypt, but <laughs> oh, then it would be the same guy that created it, Danny Elfman. <laughs> That's right. That's Danny Elfman. And Danny his Elfman. For so long, you just knew it was a Danny Elfman soundtrack. Oh yeah, for for sure. He had it, a, he had his own. Now he's gotten much wider in he his did. in his abilities, but he always managed it, to sneak in. The only way I could explain it is he sneaks in this kind of a. It's kind of a. Circus sound, yeah. Very pee. He always puts pee wee circusy sounding right. goofy stuff in there somewhere. That little yeah. stuff, which is always 
you expect that from Danny for a while, and you really did. Then you uh, do you remember Dark Man, Sam Raimi's yep. movie with Liam Neeson? Loved Dark Man. That was a that sounded very much like Batman because it was Danny Elfman as well. But uh, he, he did the been, original Flash TV he show. He did. He did. Did you um, did you like Dark Man? Loved it. You won't believe the the people I've run into that hated Dark Man. They did. It was so my wife cannot time. stand that movie. She can't stand it. Well, the thing is, and I had friends of mine that would make fun it. of it. Like, how does he pro- how, how how does he pronounce like words when he has no lips? I'm like, well, well, that's when that's when you go. I gotta get new friends. I'm like, I it's, get it's it. A movie. No, I get it. It's a movie. Well, it was like the Phantom was great. Oh, the Phantom was fantastic, but it flopped. It was and nobody ahead of liked its it. like all those um, comic book movies were so ahead of its time. So you so you don't have a problem. You have a problem with him pronouncing his words because he doesn't have lips, but you don't have a problem with the aspect that he can't feel any pain from the thing that's happened to him. You can't accept that in the in the story, but you just can't accept this one little thing that's in there. That was like watching Space nineteen ninety nine back in the day when I watched it, and I had a science fiction fan that loved Doctor Who. Look at me, and he says, "Oh, so Maya." In Space 1999, she's the she's the alien that's with them. Well, she can change she can change shape into uh-huh. any living creature. She's she's a metamorph, and uh-huh. she can turn into anything that's living. He goes, "Oh, really? I didn't really like that show because when she would turn into something, every time she'd turn into someone else, the clothes change too. How does she do that?" I'm like. That's the only problem you have with her changing into another life form, really. And you watch a show that, about a guy who has a phone booth that's, that time travels in the phone booth. <laughs> Let's right. explain one or the other here and see which one is more. Oh, well, that's a, they explain that in the show. I'm like, well, that's fine. It's sci-fi, dude. Just yeah, lighten up. Right. Lighten up. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Lighten up, Francis. I haven't lightened up, Francis. It's a, it's a good show, and I, and I like stuff like that. 770 1450, if you want to call me and check in about anything that we're talking about, or like Eric did, to call in to correct me about how many years ago something was, because I do, that unlike just, other people, I mess up on the air sometimes. And that you can feels tell me about so it. much worse now, though, that Eric Yeah, I know. Us. I wish he kind of hadn't done that, but part of me I wish he I liked thinking it was only 30 years ago. Part of me's glad he did, and part of me's glad that he didn't, so hey, that wished he wouldn't have. Yeah. <sighs> From, uh, oh, I don't even have time to get into the story. You know that they're doing a Barbie movie with, yeah. uh, with uh, Margot Robbie? Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds cool. Marble, Margot Robbie is playing Barbie. Uh, I have a story here who's from the Fox guy who's News. playing Ken. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Have maybe the cast is listed listed in this story, but apparently they needed so much pink paint to film this film that. Well, just wait. I'll tell you when we come back. <laughs> what happened? That they okay. needed so much. We got that and one more. What do I got? So I got coming up for the show. Poseidon's Fury, a, 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 an experience at Universal. I hinted on it last week, but I can talk about it. It's about. It's already closed, and I don't know what they're going to put there, but they're speculating and a lot of other things coming up. It's BK on the air here. We're going up until noon. It's BK on the air. More retro when we come back. It wasn't easy getting this crew to try a caffeine-free cola. They didn't want to give up taste, and they didn't with new Pepsi-Free. Leave it to Pepsi to make caffeine-free cola taste this terrific. Pepsi-Free, there's regular and sugar-free with one calorie. I knew they'd like it. This is a pretty street. We never miss a meal, cause we love a cereal. This is the big boss, we call him Boss Moss. Make sure you spell it right. Snorkeled off, they call me so handsome and pretty. He's little handsome. He's got a weird nose. Do I really have to say that? 
My name is Dumbo. I am Kamumbo. You're standing on my foot. Dumbo, this is me. Smart, this is my game. I know more than you do. Yes, you. And don't forget me. I'm goody goody. I always do what's right. For instance, I eat freaky cereal because it's got a lot of vitamins and it's good for me. You too can have crunchy, freaky cereal as part of your good breakfast. And there's a free, freaky, and specially marked boxes. Okay, here comes the big finish. We are the free. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Give the governor harumph. Harumph! You watch your ass. You're listening to BK on the air. This is Mrs. BK, and I'm not listening now because, well, I sleep in every Saturday morning. But I'll catch him later on the BK Escape Pod podcast. Now back to that man of mine, BK on the air. Mwah! Groovy. First, never touch any appliance without a parent's supervision. And always be careful with kitchen appliances. Keep their cords out of your way and your fingers out of their way. Also, always turn pot handles in, away from the edge of the stove. So nobody bumps into them and gets hurt. Now you're cooking. Nothing like Superman helping you cook in the kitchen. (laughs) There from Super Friends. Uh, Because I do a lot of the cooking. Every single time I have a pot there, I always remind myself, oh, turn the handle sideways. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and everything you said was true. That, you, you can make fun of that all you want, but it's all right, you know, especially if you got, uh, and, and I've always heard there's always a difference, you know, be careful if you got a stove with, like, with electric eyes or flame stoves. I mean, everybody knows the flame stove is better for cooking. You can control 100%. the cooking, but sometimes people don't always do that. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on WBHF. If you want to give me a call, 770-386-1450 is our number. Somebody's on the line now. Let's find out who it is. Hey, it's BK on the air. Hello. Hello. Hey. You were talking about Barry Morse's birthday a little moment ago. I think I was. I think I was. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, I, I've got a question for you. Okay. Okay, as you know, there were cast changes between seasons one and two of Space 1999, and all of a sudden, Barry yes. Morse's Professor Victor Bergman was not in the show. She was replaced by Maya as the resident Spock on that show. Yeah, and Barry Morse was kind of the Spock of the first season. He was quite, wasn't quite as stoic as Maya, but Maya had a little sense of humor, too, on season two, yeah. That's right. Well, but the thing is, on screen, we never learned what happened to him. He was just gone. But in the books and comic books, it was written actually explained what happened to him, and there were two explanations. One, his spacesuit had malfunctioned when he was on a space flight. And two, that that his mechanical heart failed. So my question is, which of those two explanations is most reasonable to you? Well, I mean, I could take either one, because they did did establish he had an artificial heart and and got shocked in one of the episodes, and it knocked him out or whatever. So I could think either one. I just think it's interesting that they didn't address it. I mean, even... Even Paul, that played by Prentice Hancock, it wasn't as explained where he where he wound up, or or Kano, the the, the other science computer guy that was on that was on uh, command center with them. They just kind of that was one of those things where they take season two, kind of like Buck Rogers, when producers come in and go, let's just revamp the whole show for season two and don't explain a darn thing about anything where anybody went. Season two, they never let you know in Buck Rogers where Doctor Hewer went, and he was my one of my favorite characters. By uh, Tim O'Connor was great as Doctor Hewer. Absolutely. I, just, I thought the mechanical heart failing was a more reasonable explanation about uh, Liz Hurley. Why wasn't she ever a Bond girl? 
I don't know, but she was an Austin Powers girl. That didn't really make up for it, but she was in a parody of it. Yeah. <laughs> she could have been. Well, y'all have a great, great rest of the show. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I don't, tell you, I don't like it when they just don't explain stuff on shows was like that. so good-looking in she Austin was, Powers. Did you see her, though, in a movie with uh, Brendan Fraser called Bedazzled? Did you ever see that? Oh, the comedy she like where she the, plays the devil. The devil, yeah. yeah. And she's granting him all these things and stuff, and uh, she's really good in that, too. <laughs> I mean, she's really good in a lot. But, yeah, Austin Powers, I mean, th- there's no doubt that she's eye candy and pretty to look at, that's for sure. And the accent just kind of puts the cherry on top that's... of the Sunday. <laughs> you know, she's really great. Again, I, get... I ask Hugh Grant, what were you thinking? I could, I could just Come be on. like, look, Liz, I understand. <laughs> I'm married. You're remarried. Oh, now easy. Wait a minute. Can I just close my eyes Wait and you just minute. tell me a bedtime story? Can you read me the phone book? <laughs> I don't care. Read me the phone book. I teased this before we went to a break. There's a Barbie movie in the making about the Mattel uh, doll Barbie. I think it stars Margot Robbie. Yeah, it does. And I teased something. Bar- the Barbie movie needed so much pink paint. Here's the uh, the, the, the headline. It caused an international shortage Believe it or not, a lot of hype is building. This is from Fox TV for the Barbie movie, which hits theaters nationwide on July the 21st, which is not too far away. The new live action film stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. That's, that's who's, it, that's who's Ken. I forgot. Yeah, you're right. Ryan Gosling. Plenty of time and effort has gone into producing the film, particularly with the set design. Barbie director Greta Gerwig said Architectural Digest said it to them that the vision of the Barbie world was inspired by mid-century designs in Palm Springs, California, and the iconic Barbie dream houses. For, for assistance with the construction of the set, Gerwig tapped production designer Sarah Greenwood and set director Katie Spencer, the duo behind the design for the film Pride and Prejudice, according to Architectural Digest. Interesting movie to go from Pride and Prejudice to Barbie. Gerwin told the design magazine that everything had to be pink, and she wanted to capture what made uh, made her love Barbie as a kid. A crew based at the Warner Brothers studio lot near London constructed a three-story pink dream house with a slide that leads to a kidney-shaped pool. (laughs) Greenwood shared with Architectural Digest that so much pink paint used for the set caused an international shortage. Gerwood told the magazine that it was a requirement for everything in the Barbie world to be pink to maintain what she called the kidness of it all. A Barbie teaser trailer dropped in April, this past April, and generated tons of excitement and memes for the fans. An official trailer was released last week, as of today, and shared more of the story. In the film, Barbie becomes more self-aware and goes through somewhat of an existential crisis. Existential? Yes. It's easy for you to say, or me to say. Ken and then accompanies her into the real world. Mattel also got on in on the Barbie movie buzz with the release of a new line of dolls inspired by the movie. The Barbie movie dolls line features styles fans will see in the film, reflecting the signature styles of Barbie, Ken, and new characters as they traverse through Barbie land and beyond, according to Mattel. So there you go. So it's going to be, it's all up in the air whether that's going to be a hit or not, but apparently they use so much pink paint. I would, I would, I guess I could understand if they caused a shortage in England, mm-hmm. but it says an, it says a worldwide shortage. Is that what it said, or did it say international in, shortage? What is that? Well, well, I would argue that those it? would be synonymous. International, worldwide, and international. International, yeah, I guess it would be. Um, uh, yeah, the trailer looks amazing, it and really I does. hear a looks lot stunning. of people saying. That's the kind of original. Yeah, it's based off of an of a world. We right. know Barbie. They're like, that's something that we can maybe go to, and it's not a rehash. It's not a Marvel cinematic movie. It's not right. a DC. 
It looks like a fun because we haven't seen a Barbie movie like this before, so it's kind yeah. of look, fresh and new and pink. I think and pink. What's <laughs> funny is like in the trailer, like when she steps out of her shoes yeah. and her feet are still because right, right. They still like she's wearing know, invisible she high can't heels. Flatten them out. But then all of a sudden, she fo- she goes flat like, footed and she goes all over French. She goes something's wrong. Look at my feet, and they're like ah. I like that. You know what? You know what that reminds me of. It reminds me of the Brady Bunch movie because in the Brady Bunch movie, they decided to make the Bradys still stuck in the seventies, even in the world of the nineties. Uh-huh. And that was the funny part of the film. But what's funny was the Brady Bunch movie wound up not making fun of them so much as making fun of how it was in the nineties. Is right. what it did, and it kind of turned the tables. And I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Hey, kind of like um, Elizabeth Hurley, uh, who was married to uh, Hugh Grant, that mm-hmm. we were talking about. I, I can I can watch Margot Robbie for a long period of time. I don't have a problem with that. She's Margot great. Robbie's She's easy a good actress. on the eyes. She's a really good actress too. She can do that. She can do that like fake <laughs> smile for yeah. everything. Like she brought to yeah. um, what that was the fake smile? What was that character that she did with the Joker's girlfriend? Oh, uh, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Yeah, she was great as that. She was one of the better parts about Suicide Squad. Even the remake that James Gunn wrote. She was the best part about Which it. Which I still haven't seen yet. I have not watched that, uh, that I wanted it to be so much better. Is. is it just at least a tiny bit better than the first oh, one? It has I to be. I could finish it as opposed oh, to the first one. Oh, you sat and watched just the whole could, film. Isn't could, Killer Croc in that? The crocodile guy? No, it's the no, shark it's the guy. Shark it's Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. He's in it. Yeah, and yeah. Stallone does his, uh, his voice. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, and again, another movie on the horizon is Barbie, and I'd forgotten all about that. The summer movie uh, season has started. I have this story, too. I'm, and Alan and I talk about, I'm a frequent visitor of the uh, of the Universal Studios in Florida. I've never been to, I've only been to the one in Orlando. I've never been to Universal Studios in Hollywood. It's really nice out there, too. But uh, one, of the, one of the experiences, it wasn't really a ride, but there was an experience presentation show kind of a thing. It was kind of what you walked into to cool off after being there at a, a long hot day at, at uh, Universal. Poseidon's Fury closed a few weeks ago. Uh, it was lo- located at the Lost Continents section of the Islands of Adventure. It opened in 1999. I thought it opened way before that, but they closed its doors uh, and it's gone and they say that uh, they're going to re- they don't know what they're going to replace it with yet, but I've heard talk that there, it's going to be an expansion of the Harry Potter world since it's right beside Harry Potter, and they can easily take that over into a Harry Potter thing. And I've also heard talk that it might be a Chamber of Secrets type experience thing, like with the basilisk and mm. under under Hogwarts and I stuff. I told you. And caverns and stuff. One so of the that buddies that cool. uh, is a board op and an executive producer at WSB had just come back, and he said, that's the rumor. That's right. It's on there. We'll be back. In the valley of the jolly, oh, 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 green giant. Every year at the Valley Fair, they judge green giant niblet's corn against all comers, and niblet's corn always wins the green ribbon. The judge explains an ordinary can of corn has lots of water. To keep his niblet's corn crisper, the giant gives you just as much corn, but almost no water. Then it's vacuum packed. Niblet's brand corn is the giant's own special kind, grown to be sweeter. For the crispest, freshest tasting corn, try Green Giant Niblet's corn. The giant's green beans win first prize too. They're crisp young beans, sliced at an angle for more fresh bean flavor. Try Kitchen Slice brand diagonal cut green beans. Good things from the garden, garden in the valley. Here's something even more fun than a valley fair. A soft, huggable green giant ragdoll. He's 16 inches tall by the ruler. About a good squeeze wide. And you can have him for your very own. 
Just save three labels or frozen package fronts from you-know-who's vegetables and mail with 50 cents on your name and address to Green Giant, LeSueur, Minnesota. Details are in this week's TV Guide or Sunday Comics. Send for your Green Giant rag doll today. Fruit! Quiet! Fruit! Oh. I'm me, Fruit Brute, with my fruit-flavored cereal, Fruit Brute, part of your nutritious breakfast. True on you! But delicious Fruit Brute has fruit-flavored marshmallows for the howling good taste of fruit. Count Chocula's got chocolate marshmallows. Frank and Betty's got strawberry-flavored marshmallows. Fruit! Fruit Brute, with a howling good taste of fruit. No one knows more about pure, safe, and nutritious baby food than Gerber. To learn why four out of five pediatricians who recommend baby food recommend Gerber, call us anytime. You know you can trust Gerber. Calling no. all babies. Look out, I got a Gerber story here. You may have seen this somewhere out on the internet because it's been out there everywhere. This actually comes from Fox 5 Atlanta, right here from our own backyard. Uh, the search for the 2023 Gerber baby with $25,000 prize is now underway, and you don't have long left to do it. Gerber has officially launched its annual Gerber Baby Contest. Uh, the company on, the, I think it was last Wednesday that they said it put out the open call for entries in the contest, which began in 2010. This year, Gerber is also inviting parents to share their own childhood photos as a throwback to their Gerber baby days, it says. Uh, along with photos of their little ones. Specifically, the judges are looking for, quote, cute baby photos of both parent and baby, unquote, Gerber said. The grand prize winner will become the 2023 Gerber baby, serving as the chief growing officer and be featured on Gerber's social media accounts and marketing campaigns throughout the year. They'll also receive $25,000 cash, prize a new wardrobe from Gerber's children's wear, a year's supply of Gerber baby food, and more. I don't know what the more is, Maybe some diapers, too, to take care of uh, what Gerber they eat. For the contest's 13-year anniversary, Gerber said it will make a matching monetary donation of the winning baby's cash prize to support the nonprofit March of Dimes and its maternal and infant health programs. Now, here's how to enter the 2023 Gerber Baby Contest. Now, I don't, I don't think you're going to—I don't know if they're going to put a photo of your baby on the little jar like they used to or replace the one that's already on there. It just said it was going to do all, all that other stuff. I guess that's to be announced or whether they're going to do that. Whether a baby looks like their parent as a baby or the parent just has a funny throwback image, Gerber says it wants to see all and learn about the family's story. Parents— or legal guardians can submit their throwback photo, get this, and receive a, a recent photo of their baby through, uh, through, here's when it's over, today, June the 10th at 11.59 p.m. So you have until 1 minute for midnight tonight, East, Eastern Time, on Gerber's website for a chance to uh, share, uh, have their child serve as the, as the 2023 Gerber baby. The baby needs to be between the ages of newborn and 48 months old. So mm. go to go to Gerber.com. To find out all the uh, all the whys and the wherefores. So there you go. They noticed how baby photos should have clear lighting, no filters. Don't make your baby all filtered up like they're on the cover of a of a fashion magazine. And the child should be in a safe environment and fully clothed, by the way, and uh, <laughs> just like Georgia driver's license photos. <laughs> like we right. had that story about taking nude photos for Georgia driver's license. The photo must be taken within the entry period as well. So there you go. There, how's, there's how you can possibly get your baby to be the Gerber baby. Uh, some people were cute babies and not so cute now, and some people were darn ugly babies but turned out to be really cute. Which were you, Alan? 
Oh, if you had seen me, you were like, that is one fat, ugly baby. So you thought you were a fat, ugly baby. And well, then you I was. turned into what's in front of me now. Uh, short, ugly baby. <laughs> it's not. I, will I had tell pretty you, good baby pictures, I'll admit. At, and this is because they didn't know as well about the timing. And right. Like, they should have induced with my mom probably two weeks before. I was way late. Right. Isn't um, there a Benny Hill story about somebody being induced? That was in my your, brother. Your brother, Philip, that's right. I remember that. Benny Hill induced labor. <laughs> Benny Hill, your mom um, watched Benny but no, Hill. No, I was so fat. Like my, you know how babies' heads like roll all over because there's oh, no most, muscle. Well, like, babies oh, are fat; oh. they're supposed to be. Yeah, I had the right, like yeah. the built-in like the Brady Bunch uh, like neck brace. You, the, you like, had you had the rolls on you on your ankles I and was, wrists and stuff. I looked like those Sharpay puppies or whatever. <laughs> I had so many folds. Alan and was a little creases. Buddha, a little Buddha baby. Oh yeah, you could rub my belly. Like, <laughs> can I can I make a wish? Well, uh, some people could do that now. You would. Um, so that just goes to show you, I was a fat baby, and so far, <laughs> knock on wood, I haven't had to really deal too much with. I just. Watch what yeah. I eat, but we get you get. I noticed you getting a little paunch down there, and you are getting the daddy. That's gut actually gone you. away. I got rid of a little bit. Yeah, of that. I, yeah. I still see a little bit of I it. I dropped. I Let's dropped when I started doing the work in my backyard. I dropped so like good. ten pounds, dude. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> that will do it. My wife was like, "I don't want you to ever say that because I get so angry." I'm like, "I just skipped. I would just skip a I, meal." I, I I do that too. If I ever want to lose weight, I can lose it pretty fast. And and Stacy goes, "I can't stand that." How quick you guys can lose weight. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just, I don't, it's genetic. I don't know why it's built that way. Is, aren't males and females different? I, I think no, they are. No, we're the same. No, we're not anymore from what well, I hear. You should so, go yeah. back and say, well, I don't know what your problem is. We're the same. <laughs> yeah. Must be you. We, can't, we can lose weight the same. No, right? I think what I do is, and this is, and it's a bad, I'm not saying, I'm not in any way suggesting this is a good weight loss right, technique. Right. Although a lot of people love the intermittent fasting. Yeah. I'll get so focused on a project, I'll skip a meal. I'll just right. I may eat I've a little that, breakfast, yeah. and then the next thing I know, it's like eight o'clock at night, and I'll eat dinner. Yeah. So when you eliminate a third of the calories you eat in a day, you can lose weight. Yeah. Problem Go is, figure. problem is when I skip a meal for that reason, I'll eat. Uh, if I skip lunch, I'll eat dinner. Right. I'm like, oh, I skipped a meal. I'll eat again at like at ten thirty, <laughs> just to make up for well, it. I know that's bad. That, I shouldn't do that. But the other I thing that happens that. is if you do a lot of physical work. You, your body wants to eat twice as much to make sure up for it. it. Does and, and drink you have to be liquids. Oh yeah, the liquids. Yeah. Liquids are good. Yeah, uh, water, water, water. Not just any I, liquid. Well, <laughs> not any. I kind wait till I'm done. Time. I'm working with saws not and li- things. I'm smart enough to go. <laughs> I'm drinking just water. How did the saw get embedded in the ceiling? I don't remember that. I'm more worried about how did my fingers end up on the other side of the saw. How did that happen? What are those twenty-two uh, beer cans doing up in a corner? Well, I got a story here. This is kind of cool. I'll, I'll I'll sneak this in. It's kind of local Atlanta stuff, but you know, we 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 have a lot of movies production in Atlanta now and in Georgia, and we're we're very proud of it. We we like that we're like the kind of newest Hollywood kids on the block. We think right. it's really cool when movies film here. I have this story. Electric Owl Studio set has has opened, and they opened on June the eighth here in Atlanta. It continues to steady expansion in content production with the launch of the new production hub, Electric Owl Studios. The new complex is a purpose-built film and television studio located here near us in DeKalb County, just south of us, south of Decatur is actually where it is. Co-founded by former Third Rail Studio executives Dan Rosenfeld and Michael Hahn, and I know where uh, Third Rail Studios is down there in Doraville, near mm-hmm. where the old uh, GM plant used to be. That's where they're located. I think. The pair had previously worked together at Third Rail Studios in Doraville as a part of the uh, former General Motors site. That's what it said. I just got ahead of myself. That studio was sold earlier this year to Atlanta-based Gray Television, which is building a much bigger studio and TV film uh, movie studio there along with apartments, townhomes, a hotel, corporate offices, restaurants, and retail space. I don't know the last time you went by there on 285, Mm-mm. but that, where that GM plant used to sit, it's just becoming the biggest complex thing like That's this wild. that they're turning it into, and it's fantastic. With six purpose-built sound stages and expansive uh, 
section and parking spaces. The studio is large enough to support a tentpole feature film or two simultaneous large-scale television series. So it can accommodate quite a bit. The new studio, which is a 312,000-foot production facility, will create jobs. This is the good part about it that I love. Create jobs and further support the entertainment industry annual $4 billion spend in Georgia. Isn't that great? So there you go. I mean, I love it that when we're... When we become the uh, place where people come to film here in Georgia, we've got all and we've got everything to offer them. We have the mountainous terrain, we have the city of Atlanta, which c- can step in as like Philadelphia or New York or be whatever you need to be of a big city, and maybe digitally uh, manipulate the background a little bit just to change it or whatever. Shazam: Fury of the Gods, which I just watched, was filmed in Atlanta. I was picking out spots and buildings mm-hmm. downtown that I recognize as Atlanta, but they it doesn't take place in Atlanta. But uh, we've we've really got a lot here to offer, and I think it's uh, I think it's great. I think it all started, and I'm so glad he's no longer with us, and we remember him well. But I think it all started with Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burt started, you know, he filmed here in Georgia with Deliverance, with uh, director John Borman, who directed Excalibur, by the way, directed Deliverance, and then Burt Reynolds, Smokey the Bandit was here, first Smoking Bandit film. Then he brought uh, he did he he directed a film in '81 called Sharky's Machine, which was a great kind of a noir cop movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of a throwback to the old Sam Spade thing. Uh, in in whole, the the, the Peachtree Plaza Hotel, which is now the Westin, it's that big building in Atlanta. It looks like a Coke can. It's really tall and slender. Uh, it was like the it was like a character in the film Sharky's Machine. Uh, I think it was uh, stuntman Dar Robinson, who's no longer with us, stood in for Henry Silva, and when she, when Burt Reynolds shot the bad guy at the end and blew him out the window, he he fell out of the one of the tall tallest floors of the Peachtree Plaza and fell, and it was one of the biggest falls in stuntman history at the time. I think it was really great. Yeah. So that was there. That happened. Then you know after that. Count count how many things have come to Atlanta to film now. I mean, we're 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 happening. We it's great. I and it's not just it. the big movies. It's a lot of ca- cable television productions, yeah. a lot of the streaming productions. What's the one that's filmed up around Canton and near uh, Lake o- Ozark? Yeah. With, uh, what's the guy's Jason name? Bateman. Jason Bateman. I've, I haven't seen that, but I heard and, that it's uh, filmed up there a lot. So, yeah. Oh, We're it's all Helen, over the place. Oh, what's her name? Oh, the place is his wife. She's, Helen Hunt? Hel- no, it's not Helen Hunt. Oh, um, I can picture her. I can see who she is in my mind. Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up. But it's, it's actually a real—you know, that's one of the series. I, I didn't even watch it all the way to the end, but— you know, you get so used to formulas. You're like, oh, here's what's going to happen. Right. Oh, here's that show has you so guessing. You think you know what's coming, and they really? always pull the rug out from under you. Really? And not just like trick. Like it's legit. Oh, yeah. It's just you're so used to formulas. You just assume, oh, here's where the here's where the the mafia guy is going to do this, right. and then they do something completely different. Or oh, here's where the hero's going. Like, oh. Like oh, <laughs> you do that's, that a lot. You're that's like, oh, kind of oh. that's 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 what we're thinking watching the show Citadel that we're watching right now on um, on Amazon Prime. It stars the guy who played uh, the 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 guy in the Eternals and played uh, Stark's son, and uh, you know who I'm talking about the guy who played uh, Rob Stark in Game of Thrones, the the elder Stark son mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones, and he played uh, Icarus in uh, the Eternals. In the Eternals, he pl- he's he's the main spy character, and he's playing American though. Oh. And uh, it's a very well done kind of a spy show called Citadel. Uh, Stanley Tucci's in it, and his they play his like he's like M. The, the boss, but but they're not part of they're not part of M or the or the Secret Service or CIA or anything. They're a, they're a, a more covert operation than even they are. They watch over all the other ones and stuff. And wow. it's very it's a it's an interesting yet strangely um the show where you're like oh, I feel a little paranoid watching this show. Could this really <laughs> is this maybe going on? Who knows? Right. But uh, these guys' imaginations that make these shows are great, I, and it's a great show. So I just far. it's not Helen. I was thinking for some reason I was thinking who Helen it? Linney. It's, it's Laura Linney. Laura Linley. So I know Laura, I remember who yeah. that is. Yeah, I the, can't remember the last thing I saw. It's, it's, Wasn't she in? 
Congo, the Frank Marshall movie about the apes, the intelligent apes that they... I don't know. Let me it's been a long up. time. I Wasn't it based on a Congo. Michael Crichton story? Yeah. Congo. I need to look that up before we end this show here. Oh, no. Congo. Can I do it before I, before I end the show? I don't know if I got time. It's not pulling up. Oh, no. Uh, Laura Linney and Tim Curry, Congo. So that is her. You were quicker on the phone over there than I was over here because I had to turn Got to work fast. And I don't do that. I get told well, at home all the time. Oh, well, we, maybe next week. Hurry up. We won't be here next week. We won't be here. <laughs> There's a reason for that. We'll tell you when we get back. It's BK on there. It's a crappy reason. 